Prayer is an often confusing subject. How to pray, what to pray, will or won't God answer my prayers? We hear or see those identified as prayer warriors and want that for ourselves, yet for the most, being a warrior in prayer is what doesn't describe us. Yet prayer is a vital aspect of our life in Christ. So where's the help? How do we know what to pray, when to pray, where to pray? And how will we know if God will or won't answer our prayers? And how can we know these things that we might become a prayer warrior? Welcome to the Weekly Wholesome Words Podcast, where we examine the sound doctrine in God's Word for the specific purpose to know Christ, gain the renewing of our mind, and prove His will in our lives that all things would work together for his purpose. I am Josh Strelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join me in this week's episode to examine the issue of prayer. In my 10 years of ministry, specifically at Twin Cities Grace Fellowship, this issue of prayer has probably been one of the most frequently asked questions. It has been one of the most confusing doctrines. And not only has it been most frequently asked about and most confusing, the longevity of its confusion and the fr- frequency of being of it being asked uh, is has persisted. Usually, it is understandable and identifiable that prayer is a confusing matter because of one's understanding of God's word being rightly divided from time past, but now ages to come as the Apostle of the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul, teaches in his epistles. And the reason is because, therefore, there's differences. There are differences in God's dealing with man at a specific time in the past compared to now as well as compared to the future. However, Prayer's confusion isn't simply for those who understand those distinctions and those differences and therefore keep them rightly divided. The doctrine of prayer is oftentimes confusing to all Christians. Some would say, those that rightly divide the word of truth would say, One's confusion lies because they don't rightly divide the word of truth, yet they themselves are confused on the matter. Therefore, based upon the experiential confusion of prayer, we must understand, one, that prayer is a vital aspect to our lives in Christ and our walk after the Spirit. It is something that the adversary, with how we utilize our time 
as well as the confusion about the matter, wants us to remain confused, wants us to continue to persist in our lack of prayer, to not heed the exhortation to being instant in prayer and continuing instant in prayer and praying without ceasing or pray without ceasing. Rather, we oftentimes, as reflective of our prayer lives, so to speak, pray with ceasing. Do not continue instant in prayer. If anything, our prayers are delayed only usually in a time of urgent need. So we must understand at the outset that we we must not let our confusion about prayer reign to the point where it impacts our prayer lives. In other words, we should want to do something about it. And what I mean by do something about it is just not um, pray without any understanding, but that we would go to the scriptures and that we would seek out understanding from the scriptures themselves. And that's what I want to do here in this weekly wholesome words is to look at the issue of prayer, look at some passages that helps you better understand the subject and therefore then it work with that knowledge and understanding from the scriptures on the subject of prayer, work in your lives that you would maybe classify yourselves as a prayer warrior or prayer warriors. Now we're going to start here by going to 1 Timothy. There are many places in which we can start and where we can look at the issue of prayer. I want to start here in 1 Timothy. When we speak of prayer in general, prayer is simply a communication to God. It is communicating to God. It is speaking to Him. It's talking to Him. It's in one sense, validating the reality of a real, although spiritual, relationship with God. And spiritual, spiritual I mean, is we're not in uh, face-to-face, we're not in his presence, is the means by which we are able to communicate in the stead of being face-to-face, in the stead of not being in his presence. But nevertheless, generally, prayer is speaking to God. It's talking to God. It's relating to God. It's communing with God. Then we would ask, well, what would we be talking to God about? How would we be relating with Him? On the basis of what? And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we get some insight into what I will call just for in hopes of clarity different kinds of prayers. Now, what I mean by that and what I don't want you to get from this is that you have one certain time to supplicate, another time to pray, another time to make intercession, another time of giving thanks. These oftentimes are combined And they are joined together. But in 
saying there are different kinds of prayers, we can begin to see of the multi-faceted uh, aspect of prayer. Paul here in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, the certain subject matter is praying for all men. But he brings up here the issue of supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Supplications are a little bit specific in regards to requests, requests that we would make. The question that would arise from that is what are the questions or what are the requests we make for all men? Prayers is a little bit more general in regards to our discussion with God in this context for all men. Intercessions. Things that we see uh, are of necessity for all men and pleading on behalf of those men to God for whatever it might be, which goes sort of hand in hand with supplication. Then giving of thanks. The issue of gratitude and thanksgiving for all men. So without going into much further detail, although we'll touch upon some of these things later on, is that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks are in one way different kinds of prayers. Oftentimes, and most of the time, these things are done in our prayer time. And this is how we pray. We oftentimes don't identify it as such. So we need to understand that when we pray to God, about a certain matter or a certain someone is we're going to be doing one of these four things, whether we know it or not. And the issue here in this text is that we ought to know and we ought to be doing these things. What I also want you to see is a pattern in the scripture in connection with some things that Paul says about prayer isn't always for the sake of the ones in whom we're praying for or for the sake of the thing that we're praying for, the situation and circumstance. But rather, the result has influence upon us, has impact upon us when we pray. In other words, we might be requesting something uh, to, for, uh, unto, unto God for a man for a king as he goes on, or for one that is in authority. But it's not clear that God comes along and says he's going to grant that request. What is clear is that in verse 2, he says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And that is one thing I want you to understand. Although we might make requests unto God, Although we might make intercessions unto God and a giving of thanks unto God for this person or this situation, we must understand that what God wants to get accomplished in us with prayer is what he wants to get accomplished in us. 
we pray for these individuals. Why? For their sakes? No, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. We see the same pattern over in Philippians chapter 4, where he says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. So we, won't, we ought not be full of care for anything. He says, but in everything, in every situation and circumstance, he says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we see many of those same terms as we saw in First Timothy. He says, let your requests be made known unto God. We make things known unto God. But he moves on in verse 7. He doesn't come along and say that God is going to grant your request. He doesn't say that God is going to meet your supplication. He doesn't say that he is going to voice how thankful he is for you being thankful. But what he does say, and what is clear in verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we need to understand something is that in connection with prayer, when we're praying for someone or for something, that although our heart's desire is for the situation and circumstance or for the person, there's an immediate impact. There ought to be an immediate impact. And there is the effectual working of prayer is that there's an immediate impact upon us when we pray. In this context of Philippians chapter 4, the peace of God will keep our hearts and minds. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, we pray for all men, kings, and those that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Now there's a lot more that we can say about that. But we're going to stop right there in connection with it. Now, what I want to move on into is what should we pray? What should we pray? We see here supplications. We see here requests. We see here intercessions. We, we see thanksgiving. And so we could think in our mind about certain things that we ought to say and what we ought to pray. First of all, I want to hearken to the Lord's instructions about how the Gentiles pray. In Matthew's gospel there, the Lord makes mention of how the Gentiles pray. The Gentiles pray with vain repetitions through their much speaking that they might be heard of God or of their gods. And the Lord's coming along and saying, that is not how we pray. It's not to be made known. It's not to be long, especially in public. It's not to use vain repetitions so that we might think that we might be heard of God. And what is true of what the Lord says here in Matthew is true in the time in which we live, God knows the things we need before we even ask. God knows 
what is on our minds and what is on our hearts, which goes hand in hand with the issue of not so much the issue of prayer being of benefit to someone else, but being a benefit to us. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. But God knows what we already need before we even ask him. So should that hinder prayer or should that promote prayer? Well, according to the Lord and according to the Apostle Paul as well as the other apostles, it didn't hinder prayer. It promoted prayer. It promoted prayer. It it encouraged prayer. Paul gives exhortation to pray. In fact, we read over in Romans chapter 12 there, he says, continuing instant in prayer in verse 12. So not only are we to pray, but in a moment's time, we ought to be praying. So prayer is supplications. We're going to be asking God things. We're going to be communing with Him. We're going to be talking with Him. We're going to make intercessions on behalf of others. And we're going to be giving thanks. But what more specifically? Well, this comes to the substance of the subject of prayer. When it comes to the substance of prayer, what are we to pray? There are a few things that we need to understand. We need to understand our relationship with God our Heavenly Father. We need to understand the kind and or nature of our relationship with God our Heavenly Father. And on the basis of that relationship, the things that our Father has taught us. Now, if I can put this in the grand scheme of things, scheme not being the best word to describe that, but if I can put this in the in, in summary form, in time past, God dealt with the nation of Israel as well as before Israel was established. He dealt with man as children. For the most part, God dealt with man as infants, as babes, as children. We see this reflected in his covenants. His covenant there in in Exodus chapter 34 that he would do marvels in their sight. It was attached to the blessings and the curses, the law based upon their obedience or disobedience. And therefore there would be primarily miracles or marvels done in their sight when uh, they were obeying and there would be blessing, which was not um, uh, very often. And the only times a miracle or marvel was done in their sight other than that was in reflection to the next punishment or the next curse that would come upon them according to the law contract. Nevertheless, Paul says, and as the psalmist describes, I believe in Psalm 74, is that the Jews require a sign. The psalmist says, we see not our signs. They required, based upon the covenant God made with them, for signs, marvels and miracles to be done in their sight. Therefore, it would be natural and 
to be expected that an Israelite would pray for these signs, pray for these miracles. However, we today are not given such covenants. We are not given such promises in which God would do miracles and signs based upon our obedience or based upon us praying to him. We see that with King Hezekiah in the Old Testament when Sennacherib came down upon Jerusalem there and Hezekiah prayed unto God and he did that righteous thing with the idols doing that which he was supposed to have done before and he did it and based upon his obedience God turned back the sundial granting him 15 more years. He was sick nigh unto death And yet he has 15 more years. And not only that, 185,000 men God smote in Sennacherib's camp the night before they were going to come upon Jerusalem. Great marvel based upon Hezekiah's obedience. Yet no such promise is held out to us. Therefore, what do we pray for? What is the substance of our prayer? Well, just like God dealt with people in the past, Israel and the people before Israel in the past as children, providing for their every need. We see great miracles done in the wilderness with Israel. When they need water, God provided it. When they need food, He provided it, even in their grumbling and in their complaining. Their clothing did not wax old. They had that supply of manna until they got into the land and the land was flowing with milk and honey once they got there. So we see those things. We see those supernatural provisions. We see those miracles. We see those marvels. Naturally, we expect them and naturally we pray for them. The reality is we can pray for whatever we would like. We are to make our request be made known unto God without any promise that he is going to meet those requests. So what is the substance, therefore, then of our prayers? Does it just consist of a whole bunch of request-making without any promise of them being fulfilled and them being answered and them being supplied for? Or is there another matter that constitutes the substance of our prayer? And that is what I would like to suggest to you. Is that based upon the relationship that we have with God today. Not determined by us, but determined by God our Father. He does not treat us as children. Therefore he is not providing for every physical need. Or water. Or food. Although we can say in one sense he does do that. As we have those things around us. He is good to the just and the unjust. However, in this prayerful manner, when we pray for it, we have no promise that he is going to request it to us. What therefore then constitutes the substance of our prayer lives? Well, it's based upon a relationship that God is dealing with us as adults. Now, if you think about this in the natural realm, if you're a father or you're a mother, 
If you're a parent, and even as children, you understand this, that your parents, and as parents, you provide for your children. Even when they're babes, as they grow older, you're protecting them. You're saving them from harm. You're intervening on their behalf. If they have a request for someone else, you use your resources to benefit the others that they are requesting to prosper or they're thinking well of. Yet, when they become an adult, your relationship with your children changes. It's no longer the issue of you providing everything for them, but them beginning to provide for themselves. And this is, this is of no shame. This isn't at uh, detriment to the parents. This isn't an unloving issue. This is maturity. This is perfection, if I may use that spiritual terminology that the Apostle Paul uses. This is growth. This is development. This is what adulthood and that childhood was moving them toward. Is not that the father would have to provide everything for themselves. But they would labor with their parents in providing for others. We see this in our epistles. Based upon the completion, the fulfillment of the word of God is that God has fulfilled his word. God has completed his word. And therefore, he has instructed us. He has taught us. We have before us in the word of God all that we need and all that pertains to life and godliness, as Peter says. We are to exercise ourselves unto godliness. The Spirit has helped us. He has a helping ministry in teaching us, and he has granted to us the collaboration of these letters that comprise the Word of God. And it is by the Word of God that the Spirit utilizes to edify us, to mature us, to grow us, and to develop us. And therefore, the substance of our prayer lives is not simply requests made known unto God, not knowing if those requests are going to be granted or not. But it's the issue of laboring with him. Taking his word that has so edified us, that has so renewed our minds about this issue and that issue and how we are to relate to our spouse, how we are to relate to our children, how we are to relate to members of the body of Christ, how we are to relate at work, how we are to relate to our neighbors. And we take it and we begin to prove it in the details of our life. And as when we such do that, we are proving the will of God. Therefore, the substance of our prayers are going to be the communication of God's word, God's instruction, God's teaching to us through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, back to Him and communication about what we are going to do with it. Now this is maturity. This is that perfection. This is that interaction that doesn't look so much at me and what I need 
But God's word has worked in me in such a way that I want to labor with God in providing and helping and cherishing and loving others in the way in which he has taught me to do. Therefore, prayer is going to constitute a time of remembrance to remember the things that you have come to know in the scriptures. It's going to be a time of acknowledgement based upon what you remember, acknowledging the things that you have been taught as you begin to mind them, it is the medium in which we can walk after the Spirit. For those that walk after the Spirit are the ones that mind the things of the Spirit. We are able to put on and mind and bring into remembrance and meditate upon the things that the Spirit has taught us and commune with God. Speak right things in relationship to them about how we're going to prove them to this individual and so labor with God in helping them. And therefore, your time of prayer becomes full. You are either seeking out relationships to know someone and to therefore then meet their need, to distribute to their need, as if God were through you as he is through you meeting that need. That's the way God does it today. Therefore, we do not need to have these superficial, superstitious prayers in our lives. Although we can make all our requests known unto God, that must be balanced at best balanced with understanding the mature relationship as sons and daughters of God he's made us to be in Christ that we have with him. And therefore our prayers and our lives ought to reflect that. As we meditate upon his things, we acknowledge his things, his ways. And therefore, by virtue of that acknowledgement, not leaning on our own understanding, and therefore directing our paths. You might have heard that in Proverbs and the principles all over in the scriptures concerning that father-son, father-daughter relationship and that communication, therefore, with the word of God and the son and daughter taking the word of God and utilizing it. Solomon, uh, uh, David says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's what we need to do in prayer. When we're in a situation and circumstance that we don't know what to do, we don't know what path to take, we don't know what to say, we trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We don't lean on our own understanding. In all that ways, acknowledge Him. We're going to bring into remembrance and acknowledge every good thing that's in Christ Jesus, as Paul says to Philemon. We acknowledge Him and that mind of Christ that He's given us. And the wisdom that he's made Christ to be unto us that we find in his epistles. And when we acknowledge that, and we therefore set up a path in connection with it. And although we walk that path, when we acknowledge him and lean on our own understanding, he directs our paths. He directs our paths. We are to apply our heart on instruction our ears unto the words of knowledge. And when we do so, and therefore we speak things that are consistent, consistent with that instruction, consistent with that, 
those words and his understanding. This is our father's response. Proverbs 23, verse 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. When we take the knowledge and we acknowledge him and we have a path in view, we not just have a knowledgeable heart, we have a wise heart because we're going to apply that knowledge and it's going to be our wisdom. We're going to communicate that wisdom to our Father. If thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. So although there's much more that can be said in connection with prayer, one, I want you to understand the different aspects of prayer, supplication, prayers, intercession, sessions, giving of thanks. I want you to understand, too, that that is uh, prayer. We need to understand the difference, distinction of it in regards to how God dealt with Israel in the past as children and how he deals with us as adults today. And two, the balance of just making requests made known unto God, hoping that he is going to do everything on your behalf, you must have that balanced at best with the acknowledgement that you're his son and daughter and that he wants to edify you, develop you, grow you in Christ, that Christ would be your wisdom. And many of those requests would subside, especially for those that you're making requests for, because you would be the instrument of righteousness and the servant of righteousness he's made you to be in Christ and thus serve on God's behalf and 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 be that instrument be that tool and resource that the effectual working of God's word is manifest in someone else's life to meet their need to meet their want to rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep and to be that ever presence of God through the word of God in you to that individual to comfort to cherish to nourish to 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 love to care for to restore in a spirit of meekness when restoration needs to take place to correct to instruct all predicated upon the word of God in you and therefore beloved if we want to be prayer warriors, if we want to be those that pray without ceasing, if we want to be those that continue instant in prayer, we must understand that the substance of our prayer life in this relationship as God's sons and daughters is one of exercising ourselves in the godliness and having Christ be our wisdom in relationship to our lives and those around us to prove his will in the details of our life unto others, to others, and to the glory of God. And therefore, we are going to communicate these things to God. We're going to speak these things to Him. And if we want to be prayer warriors in this sense, you must understand that most of this is all based upon that mature relationship, not only in position, but in practice, which means if the Spirit of God has given us the Word of God, you must give attendance to reading you must study the Word of God. 
And oftentimes what one will find lacking in prayer life, they find lacking in their reading and studying of Scripture. And I must also warn you to end that you can read and study Scripture in such a way that you become so knowledgeable about things that it does not impact your prayer life because you're missing, you're missing the wisdom of God's Word. You're, you're missing the things that instruct you to have a certain mind and to, to labor and strive and do certain things to others. And if you miss those things, you might have knowledge but you may not have charity. And therefore read and study and meditate upon the scriptures and all the scripture. And when it comes to relationships and it comes to other things, both in regards to what one needs to know as well as in regards to how you are to live godly in Christ Jesus to another, acknowledge his word. Remember it. And chart out a path in connection with it and you can know that he is directing your path and if something new comes to mind based upon the word of God then you can make those adjustments and lastly I will say this is that we should be careful in how we describe how God has provided for us and what God has done in our lives that we might reflect to all those that are listening to our testimony of God's power in our lives and God's provision in our lives that it is in conjunction with these things. God provides through others. God provides through other members of the body of Christ. Sometimes there's provision even with those that aren't believers because of a family relationship. And although we can thank God for it, we must also recognize the way in which it came about. The way in which it came about. That we might not lead someone to think that there was some other provision that they don't have access to and that God has left them out of. For that is not what God is communicating today in his word, but rather the privilege of us laboring together with God in his things for the profit and benefit and the wealth and the spiritual wealth of others. May we serve with him, may we labor with him, and as we do that, therefore, may our lives be filled in prayer for how we're going to do that very thing. I hope this has been some help to you. If it hasn't, maybe go back and listen to it again. And if you have any further questions, please get on our website, TwinCitiesGraceFellowship.com. Go to our Bible Q&A corner. Submit a question in connection with this. And I'll do my best to get into it a little bit further. For there is much more that can be touched upon in connection with this subject matter. Well, thank you for tuning in this week to Weekly Wholesome Words. I am Josh Strelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. It's been a wonderful privilege to get in God's Word with you. And until next time, look up.